Hello and welcome to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I am your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. Super happy to have you here. I have a really great interview planned for you guys today. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to it. But before we get into it, I just want to say thank you so much for being here. I want to give a shout out to you guys who are leaving reviews on the podcast. So this is from Amtara Yoga, inspiring five stars. This has easily become one of my new favorite podcasts. I love how real and honest Dr. Haley is. Her passion is infectious and she inspires me to be my own doctor. Thank you. Well, thank you for that review. That's exactly what my entire goal is. I want to inspire you guys, empower you guys to really take charge, to be educated and to be able to make your own decisions. I have so many people always sending me things. Is this good? Is this good? What do you think about this? And although I love answering your DMs, you guys, that's why I have episodes where I do these these informed consent kind of series about certain products or certain ingredients so that you can look at the informed risks and benefits make your own choice on all these products. So always feel free to go back and watch and listen to episodes. I have a lot of posts on certain ingredients and things like that. So, you know, if it's not worth it to me, that doesn't mean that it's not worth it to you. So, you know, I've got a lot on my non-talk swap, all that kind of stuff. But anyways, I do what I do so that I can equip you guys to feel empowered and go about your life and feel confident and make making decisions about you and your health. So that's exactly what my goal is. And thank you guys for seeing that and for understanding the passion and everything. It really means so much. So in today's interview with um, someone who is literally incredible, her name is Cynthia Monteleone. She's a sprinter. She's a mom of three. She's on team USA for the master's division. And for, she has set the 400 meter or she is a 400 meter world champion. 400 meters makes me want to just throw up (laughs) thinking about that. She's amazing. Her Instagram is fast over 40 and she looks incredible. I mean, it's not even about look. She performs incredible. She is the epitome of health. We talk about so many things in terms of health, what we're seeing and why we're seeing so much hormonal disruption, how she fuels her athletic performance that again, might go a little bit of kind of almost against the grain in terms of what we're typically told about how we need to fuel as athletes, high carb, low fat, you know, moderate protein. And so she kind of has a different opinion on that, which I think is really refreshing. And she actually works with quite a few Olympians. So she tells her experience about that. And so, you know, whether you are someone with hormonal imbalance, whether you're an athlete or you love to channel an athletic lifestyle, I think that this podcast is going to be great for you. We talk about a lot of different facets of things. She's in Hawaii. So you can hear this amazing little I don't even know, little bird, rooster type thing. And it's actually like very calming. I told her it makes me feel like I was in Hawaii recording it with her. She's incredible. We've connected on Instagram for a while. She has a really, really cute German shepherd. Love him. Her. Yeah, him. He's super cute. She feeds him liver just like I feed Tala. So you need to connect with her on social media because she's great. She is also a really huge advocate for Title IX, which is great. And she's just, she's just, a really huge and awesome voice kind of in this space. So I'm really, I was really happy that I could have her on the podcast and talk to her. I know that you guys are going to learn a lot. We we cover so many different things. We talk a lot about diet and training and you guys are going to absolutely love it. Cause I know I did. And also definitely stay tuned for the part where she talks about 
the little gratitude thing that she does every day because that's something that Nick and I have been doing every day. The what the one thing you're thankful for, one thing you learned, one thing you taught somebody. We talk about that. She taught she taught me about that in the podcast. That's something that she talks about in her book. And that's something that Nick and I have been doing ever since I interviewed her. I interviewed her over a month ago. Uh, yeah, well over a month ago. And so we've been doing it every day. And wow, like just that little lifestyle tip, how that brightens the end of our day and how it really makes us reflect on how we were improving, what we're grateful for. It was, it's amazing. So I hope that you guys can implement that too. But without further ado, let's get into this episode with Cynthia. You guys are going to love it. All right, you guys, welcome back to the podcast. I have an awesome guest today. Cynthia, thank you so much for being here. I cannot wait to dive in and just talk about all the things, all running and your diet and what you feed your dog because, oh my gosh, that's also something we can get into, just all the things. So thank you so much for being here. Aloha. And I really, it's my pleasure and my honor to be talking with you today. I'm a big fan of you as well. So um, really a big mahalo for having me on. Oh, I love it. So yeah, you're obviously from Hawaii. Yes, <laughs> if I live the in listeners Maui. can't tell already. Yes. I That's live awesome. in the beautiful island of Maui. We have an expression here, Maui no ka'oi, which means Maui is the best because everyone who lives here knows that it's the best island. <laughs> oh, not biased at all. <laughs> I love it. Well, hopefully one day we will make our way out there because I've always wanted to visit Hawaii. It's definitely a hike from New York because You've probably got to take like two flights to even get mm-hmm. to California and then from California over to yeah. Hawaii. So yeah. it'll be, a, it'd be a, a trek, but I, I am take an East willing. Coast trip every year to see my parents in North Carolina. And, um, it's, and I usually have the kids in tow and it's definitely at least a couple of flights. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it's worth but it. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So you're welcome um, anytime. Oh, I, we're going to make it work. All right. So tell our listeners, if they're not already familiar with them, tell, or if they're not already familiar with you, tell them a little bit about what you do. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so what I do, I, well, I'm a world champion sprinter and I'll explain a little bit more about that in a second, but, um, I'm a metabolic practitioner for my job, which means I assess, um, basically how I can help people from a metabolic point of view with their athletic performance, but also with their health performance. So it doesn't just apply to athletes, although I do work with um, a lot of Olympians and professional athletes. Um, I learned from my mentor, who is Charles Polican. Um, A lot of people might know him, and if you don't, you should definitely look him up and listen to a couple of his podcasts with um, a couple of the favorites are with Tim Ferriss and with um, Brian from London Real. And, um, and you'll get a feeling of how Charles was and how amazing he was with his athletes as well. And so, um, yeah, so I'm a metabolic practitioner. And um, five years ago, my daughter asked me to train her for the 400 meters. She was 11. And she said she wanted to run track in college like mom. So here we were. I had just had my third child and was carrying some baby weight. And uh, he just turned two, so which was fine because I was breastfeeding right up until that point, about that point. And so mm-hmm. I always tell women, like, don't don't be too quick to lose that that extra body fat when you're breastfeeding because you need it to feed your baby. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's also important not to detox through the milk and all that stuff. So yes. I, but I was there. I was carrying the extra baby weight, but I was done breastfeeding. And so I thought, okay, well, let's get on the track and see what we got. And we both ran a 400, and it was super slow. <laughs> we crawled across the finish line. It was probably the hardest 400 meters of my life. And uh, we begun uh, to train at that point. 
And so it took me, I went, of course, to my mentor, Charles. I said, I want to become a world champion. And so he took me under his wing and taught me everything. Uh, every question that I asked, he had a you know, wonderful answer to and was very patient with me. And I learned all the tips and tricks, which I now share with other people. And I became a world champion a couple of years later. So I've been number one in the world in the 400 for the past few years for my age group. I just entered a new age group. I'm now in the 45 age group, so um, turned 45 in February. And I uh, just this yesterday, day before yesterday, yeah, day before yesterday, I ran the number one time in the world for the 45 age group. So I'm dominating that age group now as well. That's and, amazing. Um, yeah. So my passion is to help others thrive. And hopefully I can help your listeners as well by answering your questions. Because what I really feel like my mission is, is to help people understand that, yes, while we do uh, have a set of genetics, the epigenetics are more important, meaning what environment are you giving your genetics to live in? Are you giving, are you able to change your genetics to be their superior selves or are you giving it a harmful environment where, you know, they're not thriving? And so I, I like to stress that I was just like everyone else. Like I was holding baby weight. I was not, um, you know, I didn't go to the Olympics in my 20s. Like I'm not gen a genetic freak or, you know, have this ultimate raw talent. I know how to work hard and I know how to eat properly and I know what supplements to take. So I think it's more education than talent. And so therefore I believe everyone can become their superhero version of themselves. So my passion is to help everyone do that, become their superhero warrior selves. I love that. And I love that there's no, you don't put that limiting belief like, oh, I've had three kids and, you know, I just, I can't be the athlete that I was back then. And like that doesn't, that vocabulary doesn't exist for you. That's correct. In fact, I, um, I ran faster in my world championship race um, than I did in college. So I ran a faster time than I did in college. And I wasn't, again, I wasn't an Olympian, but I also wasn't terrible. I went to a division one school um, in North Carolina and um, I top, placed top five in the East Coast in the 500 meters and in indoors. And when I ran my indoor 400 meters, I ran faster than I did 20 years, over 20 years ago in college, which should not be happening. Like that that's is amazing. not something that's supposed to happen. You are definitely when you hit 40, especially, you're supposed to be getting slower every year, but that's not been the case with me. So I've, I am a, I'm passionate about right, not limiting yourself and, um, and again, not really comparing yourself to anyone else, but, but, but becoming the best version of you. Yeah, so. totally. What, okay, so I guess we've got kind of a lot to dive in. We've, we've got like your lifestyle, the genetic, or not even the epigenetics, the food, the, the targeted supplements and things that you like. So my favorite is always food. So let's kind of start there. Where, where was the switch for you that you might've changed things in your diet to maybe include things to help you, you know, maintain muscle mass? Because I see this a lot in women as they enter perimenopause and menopause. And, you know, as women just get older in general, we're going to become, we're going to become more frail in the sense where we lose a lot of muscle mass. So for you to be able to hitting the times that you are, you have to be maintaining and if gain and if anything, gaining muscle mass. So what, what does your diet look like around that? Yes, you're, you definitely got that right on point. Um, so I am very passionate about a protein rich diet. So, um, while I do see the benefits of something like a ketogenic diet, I think that as we age, we really need the protein mm -hmm. more than anything for lean muscle mass in order to balance hormones and to um, keep us from sarcopenia and dynopenia, which are, you know, the, the loss of muscle and the loss of power in our muscle. 
Um, so uh, I eat, I, I consume about 200 grams of protein a day. I'm 150 pounds. So I aim for more than my body weight in grams of protein. Um, I do stress to women in general. I think everyone's individual, but I definitely think that you should be aiming or women in general should be aiming for, and men too, um, their ideal body weight at least in grams of protein. So mm -hmm. at least 150 grams consuming a day. But for me, it's 200. Um, I also consume amino acids while I strength train, which helps me to keep and build the lean muscle mass. I use ATP Labs essential amino acids. I don't use branch chain amino acids um, because they're already in the essential amino acids. So I just stick with the EAAs. Yes. And uh, my favorite part about theirs is that they're artificial free. So there's yes. no, art it's really hard to like find one just at a regular vitamin shop that doesn't have artificial colors or flavors. And if you do, it tastes terrible. <laughs> I know. So, so I'm a big fan of the, um, of ATP Labs amino, essential amino acid. Um, but yeah, that helps me maintain. But uh, yeah, so I, I eat a lot of protein and especially high quality meats. So grass-fed beef is my absolute favorite. It makes me feel fantastic. I actually run, um, I, when I race, I have a grass-fed steak before I run. So an hour before I race, at least, um, sometimes even right up to 30 minutes, or I mean, I have even before like a 100-meter dash, I've eaten it 15 minutes before, I wow. will eat steak. And uh, so then the number one question people have is, okay, one, everyone knows when you run the 400 meters, it kind of makes usually makes people want to throw up yes <laughs> yes it's so hard so they ask okay how are you eating steak before you run you know uh a lot of people just stick with simple carbs but one i'm protein adapted I'm, i like to say i'm steak adapted uh, <laughs> so i'm protein and fat adapted the l-carnitine in the steak actually helps move fat for fuel i don't know if people really know about that too much but l-carnitine helps move uh fat to oxidize it for fuel yeah, well, um, you see really all these important. supplements like the L-carnitine. It's like, oh, it's for fat loss. But, yeah, mm -hmm. you can just get that from a piece of high-quality right. meat. Exactly. And not only that, but it's my opinion that – and although I am – you know, I, I, I do use supplements, but I, I feel like you should always try to get it from your food first for totally. the most part. Like try to control things with your food is uh, like first and foremost. And what I found is that nature is a beautiful gift that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And so the, the type of – um, synergy that goes on with food from nature is it's like perfect all the time because you've got the L-carnitine but you've got the fat from the red meat as well so you can use that for, for fuel you've got carnosine which buffers lactic acid so when people say or buffers lactate I should say when people say oh well, you know how can you eat steak before you run don't you want to throw up and I say no actually the carnosine buffers the lactate and allows me to not feel like I'm going to throw up and so what I'm asking you is how could you not eat a steak before you're on the 400 meters? <laughs> um, and then there's, of course, um, you know, the great nutrients, B12 fully. And then there's iron. Um, there's creatine for the power that you need at the beginning of a sprint. So really, to me, uh, a piece of grass-fed meat uh, steak particularly is the perfect fuel before racing. Um, That's and I awesome. eat it five to seven times a week, red meat. So oh. I'm a very big advocate of the way it gives you energy and the way it balances your hormones and the way it really meets all of the nutrient requirements, especially for women. 
I knew that we were going to get along because <laughs> honestly, I, I mean, I remember, well, I mean, I'm sure you know this, you know, it only limit red meat to one time a week and we surpass that easily. It just feels good for us. Right. And I think that people, mm-hmm. you know, need to do what's good for them. I know a lot of women sometimes say, you know, it upsets your stomach. And I think that almost comes with another conversation of oh, yeah. low stomach acid, right? 100%. That is exactly what I have found with my clients. Um, I deal with a lot of clients that have autoimmune issues as well. My doctor sends me his patients when he, when he can't figure out what's wrong with them. Basically he says, Cynthia, <laughs> I'm trained in Western medicine. If it's this, I prescribe this. If the blood work looks good, if it's a gray area, I send them to you. And so I usually uh, have a reputation for fixing them within two weeks, which is like why he keeps sending them. And so, um, what I find is that a lot of people with autoimmune issues have been plant-based at one point or another in the recent past. And when that happens, um, the higher, the, the more plant-based diet you have, the less stomach acid you're producing. Right. And so your pH um, increases, right? Because high pH is less stomach acid, low pH is greater stomach acid. And so their pH gets thrown off balance. And then they can't digest meats. So then they, they, you know, they legitimately do have a problem with digesting the meats when they eat it. But also, what order of food are they eating? Because when you eat a bite of protein first, the uh, research says, and clinically I've seen, that protein stimulates uh, hydrochloric acid and, you know, pepsin and all the great things you need to digest food. And so if you eat protein as your first bite of your meal, that is a good way I like to ease them back into being able to digest more meat as well as sometimes taking an HCL supplement if they need. Um, but really, you can, I find that you can do it with, with um, just adjusting what you're eating and the order you're eating. And then we think about, right, okay, what happens when we go out to eat at a restaurant? They give us bread first, mm-hmm. and then they give us a salad, and then they give us our entree. So no wonder people aren't digesting their food correctly. They're already using their HCL, what little they probably have, on digesting the bread, which wreaks havoc on the gut lining. Then they're eating the salad and they're having to digest all that fiber, which is not digestible, right? A lot of it's not digestible. Um, And then they're eating their meat. So they don't have anything left to really break that down. Um, And so they end up feeling, you know, like they can't digest the meat. So I really agree with you that I've found that there is a way around that um, and that that can be a, a good way to start introducing that back in. Now, if it's someone who's coming right off of plant-based back into a more carnivore type eating. Um, I start them with a a grass-fed beef protein. Um, Again, HP Labs is the one I use because it's all artificial free and they do sponsor me. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you that story in a second. But um, so I ease them back in by adding that shake in and um, that way they start to adjust to digesting beef protein but it's actually already semi-digested in the protein setting so in the protein powder so it's easier for them so that's my strategy usually for that um yeah yeah. so an atp sponsored me after i got really sick at a world championship meet before the one i the six months before the one i won i was in spain and i got uh, sick from some contaminated lettuce and so i had oh my gosh it was terrible just right before the finals of my race. And so I ended up coming in third, which was still great, of course, but I was, I had the number one time coming in. Uh Um, And I really, I mean, I, 
almost ran to the bathroom right before I went, ran to the starting line. Wow. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. And after that, I vowed never to have, have, have that happen again. And I, of course, I reached out to Charles and he helped me out with um, telling me how to make it to the starting line, first of all. Um, <laughs> but then um, ACP picked me up and sponsored me and I've never been sick again, not even like a little bit. <laughs> so that's amazing. Um, yeah. So I'm really grateful to them. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, what your lifestyle looks like around training. Cause you know, oh, well, I guess one more question that I have on diet before we get to that. Do sure. you include, uh, do you include plants or carbs? Cause I know like in the, you know, the athlete space, we have to carb load and you're mm-hmm. essentially supposed to do things like that. And I think that some athletes can see benefit with certain things. I think you know, we're very bio-individual, but I think it's unique that you come from such a different place, especially with all the metabolic work that you do. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, that's really a great point because, um, yeah, I feel like, oh gosh, this is so, oh, this is actually a lot to unravel because I know, (laughs) yeah, because I have so many Olympians that in college and like, well, mostly in college, but even before that, they're taught that they need to carb load, especially in the track and field Olympians, you know, oh, you need carbs for running, you need carbs for everything. If you're a thrower, you can have eat whatever you want. Like all these misconceptions that set them up for failure, not only in long-term athletic performance, but it sets them up for failure in life, in health. Because for instance, I have an athlete who is an Olympian who um, has the APO4 allele, which makes her uh, basically, she doesn't digest sugar as well as other people. And so in college, they were pushing on sugar, 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 you know, like Gatorades and I mean, just everything sugar. I have another Olympian who um, <laughs> figured out that something was wrong with the nutrition in college when the head nutritionist for the sports teams and for teaching every all of the other nutritionists said that they should be eating Pop-Tarts. Okay. Oh, he said I knew something was not, but they were on this person was on the board for Kellogg's uh-huh. and Kellogg's gave a lot of money to this university, which is a very large prestigious university. So you have to ask yourself, what's going on here? Are we really honoring our athletes as people and as athletes, or are we just trying to sell cereal, you know? And yeah. so unfortunately it's the latter and it's very, very disheartening. So that's where I come in and I change things. And a lot of times I find that they they do better with actually changing their fuel source to protein and carb. Sorry, protein and fats, and not carbs. Um, so it takes a little bit of adjustment, and it takes time for them to adjust. But they all of a sudden have more lean muscle mass. They have lower body fat percentage. Their hormones are balanced. All kinds of things, and then they're just on. Their performance skyrockets. And um, so yeah, so no, I don't eat a lot of carbs. My carbs are under seventy grams a day, usually under fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, my fats are not as high as a keto. So it's kind of like a paleo keto carnivore. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I uh, rotate carnivore a couple times a year, strict carnivore. Um, but not for very long, usually no longer for four weeks or some, no longer than four weeks. But um, yeah, so mostly animal protein based with a little bit of vegetables. I tend to like the cooked vegetables better. Mm-hmm. They're a little more digestible, but I will do some salads sometimes especially um, this time of year. Well, it's beautiful where you are every time of year. Yeah. I definitely, you will not catch me in the winter ever having a salad, but today I just bought some fresh like purple lettuce and I'm just going to mm-hmm. do it. But I think I, I really like, you know, seasonal eating and changing things up and, you know, 
Like, do you ever include like the fruits that you guys have on the island, like fresh fruits, things like that? Or will you not really typically do things like that? You do more vegetables. Yeah. The only fruits I really go to are berries um, Mm -hmm. and um, apples um, because I do feel like the, um, you know, the chemicals in apples are unique and they do things like support your liver and, Mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of things. So um, I, I am into an occasional apple, but again, not overboard because fructose is like the devil. Okay. <laughs> like in my line of work, it's man, I'm having to battle fructose from all different ways. Not only just high fructose corn syrup, but people who think that fruit smoothies are good for them. And unfortunately they just keep eating this, you know, the fructose is broken down by the liver, no matter the same way, no matter if it's from fruit or if it's from high fructose corn syrup. And yes, there is fiber and you can give the argument about the blood sugar, but it, the damage that it does to the liver is something that I'm always having to reverse in my clients. So I'm not really that big of a fruit fan and okay. mangoes, local mangoes and papayas really high in sugar. Yeah. So if it's, if it's um, someone who's metabolically healthy and they want to have a little bit of mango or papaya, like, yeah, sure, go for it. But if you're not metabolically healthy, you're trying to lose weight, you got hormone problems, uh, or you're an athlete, then I, I say no, definitely not. Uh, yeah, so, no, yeah. I think that's interesting because, like, you know, talk about the line of work that you do. I, I love the concept of metabolic health, and that's pretty much what you do on a day-to-day basis. So. What are, what is the demographic? Is it mainly athletes or are you working? Cause I know that I'm personally seeing a lot of just general pop people, not big, not people who are big drinkers, but they have non-alcoholic fatty liver. And yes, exactly. I know that, you know, diet and fructose and just stress on the liver is a huge, huge reason for that. So I, I have to assume that you're seeing the same thing. I am absolutely seeing the same thing. And I'm sure that you can agree that some of those people look fit. They don't, yeah. they are not necessarily overweight. They work out all the time and they're like, why is this happening to me? And it turns out that they just bought into the, you know, the whole smoothie thing, honestly, or salads all the time, or, you know, just like, with, you know, salads with fruit on top or just really they went down the wrong path, which was away from protein. Um, so my clients are mostly, I would say mostly um, autoimmune slash needing to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of weight loss. And uh, then I have my, I'd say maybe that's 75% and then 25% is my uh, elite athletes. The, the elite athletes take a lot of attention, which is great. Um, they kind of like the metabolic clients that are autoimmune and um, losing weight. They kind of get the, the gist of it after a while, but the, the athletes are, you know, continuously changing and they continuously need high levels of attention. So I try to limit basically how many clients I take and I will shut it down. Um, I just shut, shut it down for a couple of months where I wanted to just make sure I paid attention to all my clients and then I'll open it back up again for a period of time and then I'll shut it down again so that I make sure everybody's getting the proper attention and it, it being an Olympic year, I'm especially busy this, you know, this year. Um, but with everyone, you know, preparing for the Olympics, but yeah. So, um, I see that a lot. I see the fatty, non-alcoholic fatty liver, and it's really unfortunate because in the bigger picture, I think you'll agree that it's the food system that's broken. Mm-hmm. Like the food pyramid is a sham. All of the stuff that the mainstream media is feeding us is, as you know, it's a scam as well. It's just not correct. And it's, it's like you cringe the first few times and then you just get sick of it. And then you're just frustrated because you're having, you feel sorry for these people who are so lost. They had no idea 
that what they were eating was so bad for them. They really thought they were eating healthy. Or maybe they did know that it was kind of bad, but they thought, well, the mainstream media tells me I can eat this or it sells it to me mm -hmm. uh, via commercials. So why wouldn't it be bad? And then they go to the doctor and then they get prescribed something. And then it's just this cascade of horrific events. <laughs> so essentially, I, I yeah. feel, yeah, I feel very lucky that I get to help fix that. And I'm sure you can agree with the same thing and prevent it um, by spreading our messages. Like that's the main thing is to help prevent it from happening in the first place, because I don't want people to be sick. Uh, so it's very frustrating, especially this past year because oh, of yeah. all the misinformation. And if you know that you, if you already came into uh, 2020, knowing that the government does not know um, jack shit about, <laughs> about food, then you know that they're also not giving you the correct advice about anything else. And so um, if you're always, you're already in the, uh, the job of questioning the information, then you knew to question the other information. We'll just kind of leave it that, at that because I did research on all kinds of stuff, IL-6 pathways, um, mm -hmm. right all the way down to uh, you know, the whole Fauci thing coming out now. Like I read all of the articles about um, the, the chimeric research and uh, changing viruses. I read all of that already a year ago, you know? Yeah, this wasn't so, old news. Yeah, this was like not everyone's like, oh, breaking news. And I'm like, oh, I shoot, I, I knew about that a year ago, you know? Um, so, but what I'm saying is that back then you couldn't talk about it. They said, this is not, you know, you not true and this and that and I'm like well it's in I think it was cell I'm not sure which journal it was but one of the journals talked about the research done at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill which I don't know if they've even said on the news yet but that's where all of the research was done um, and then we basically trained the lead scientist for Wuhan um, not to get into like you know the whole COVID stuff but I'm just saying the point is is that they're giving us information for a reason and it's not necessarily for our own health. And it's really frustrating to see that and have to fix it all the time because I'd much rather everyone be healthier and I'd much rather everyone be metabolically prepared um, for any kind of virus. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's just really frustrating sometimes. But oh, it, all it I can is. Do is keep speaking up. <laughs> I, that's all we can do, you know, like, and I, I always say, you know, if what I talk about helps one person make better choices, whether it's getting toxic products out of, you know, their household or making better decisions when they go to the grocery store or better yet the farmer's market, you know, mm -hmm. like yeah. all those little small decisions really add up or, you know, I've had so many people reach out and say, Hey, you know, I found a local farm and I'm able to get, you know, beef or, Hey, I actually just tried some liver because of you and it was really oh, good. And that. like, that's really cool because that's not stuff that dietitians or mainstream Mm -hmm. you know, nutrition, quote unquote, experts are talking about because right. that's just like, that doesn't make money. <laughs> Kellogg, like, the food, big food is what makes mm -hmm. money. Right. And they have contracts with places like um, the Olympic Training Center. You know, Powerade has a contract with them. They serve yeah. Powerade slushies at the Olympic Training Center, um, which to them is no big deal. Like, it's just, but to me, I'm like, why are you giving artificial colors and corn syrup to our number one athletes? Like, this is completely insane. So, it's um, fine. Their metabolism will just burn it off. It's not a big right, deal, right? right. Like that's, that's not the proper logic. It is not the proper logic. And when they're in their 20s, they're already actually susceptible to building stuff like beta amyloid plaque in their brain, which sets you up for Alzheimer's. So they're already building Alzheimer's 
in the in their 20s with moves like that, and especially if they have the April 4 allele. So my question is, okay, if you're serving that, are you testing all of your athletes for the April 4 allele? Of course you're not. You know, so you're doing a really uh, disservice to these athletes and them as per people in general. Um, so oh, my, totally. I just did a um, an interview uh, with my uh, one of my Olympians named Maggie Malone, and she went to the Rio Olympics in javelin, and then she had some major autoimmune issues. She was having all kinds of staph infections on her legs and stuff like rashes and. Uh, you know, brain fog, like nobody could tell her what was wrong with her. The doctors all just wanted to keep prescribing her antibiotics and nobody could fix the problem. And so I've been working with her for, um, gosh, I think about a year and a half and we changed everything, turned her right around. And she just uh, a couple of weeks ago broke the American record in the javelin and it qualified, of course, for the Olympics. Wow. So here she went from basically barely being able to get out of bed to now she is the number one in history for, you know, her sport. What are That's some things and changes that you made? Was it, was the autoimmune mm -hmm. things that came on? Was that because of stress? Was that because of, you know, the lifestyle, maybe a mix of both? Yeah. yeah. It was the food she was eating. She had, um, she had basically sensitivities to a lot of it. She was eating a lot of gluten and dairy, um, and sugar. And those three were just setting off a cascade of, uh, reactions basically. And so we, when we took those out, um, that was the biggest difference. Plus she, uh, you know, she basically does everything I tell her lifestyle wise, uh, as far as eliminating toxins and things like that. Um, she texts me all the time with questions. And I find that the clients that are the most successful are the ones that ask questions. That's a yep. part of champion mentality. So yep. they keep asking questions. Um, and so, yeah, we, we put her on some supplements to kind of detoxify some of the environmental estrogens that she had stored as a result of her liver not being yeah. able to function properly because of all of the sugar, dairy, and gluten that she was eating, right? So That's um, amazing. it's kind of a, it's really a, a puzzle a lot of times that I have to figure out. Um, and so I love, I kind of love the challenge and, uh, and everyone's different. So I read the pattern, like when I give a phone consultation or I, if I do an in-person metabolic analysis, I get like their full story and I kind of try to get all the details through different ways. And then I read the pattern and it's usually, you can probably agree to this, a pattern that you've seen before, right? Mm -hmm. And you know what probably will work, but maybe you have to make some adjustments per individual totally. to would work for them. Like maybe they had some heavy metal exposure or maybe they had uh, exposure to a bacteria like Lyme or something like that. Like, so everyone kind of might have a different, um, different scenario, but it's, it's really my passion to solve this mystery and help them live their life to their best, you know, and feel good again. Totally. I love that. And so yeah. what are some of, you know, kind of piggybacking off the lifestyle things that you had done there? What are some of the lifestyle things that you do that keep you active, strong, and just healthy? Oh, that's, that's a really great question. I love that. So um, my, I have a warrior community now where we all interact with each other and I have a different theme every month. And this month is, um, this month's theme is uh, injury prevention. And so I get to talk about one, what supplement is best for that? What strength uh, exercise is best for that? Um, and, you know, then I kind of give little mini podcasts every week on different ways you can prevent injury, right? Or last week or last month was champion mentality. So every month's a different topic. And so I basically share all of my lifestyle tips 
in this community, but some of them are definitely eliminating toxins. So nothing with fragrance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, checking to see what you're cooking with. Um, plastics are hard to really eliminate because they're, gosh, they're in everything. So we just try to cut down as much as possible, but it's really honestly hard to eliminate the plastics. Um, uh, basically, we don't eat a lot of sugar in our family, and I think that has the most impact. So if you're going to pick one thing nutrition-wise, to change across the board, I would say besides increasing protein is eliminating sugar. So we aim for under 15 grams of sugar a day, including those that are coming from our fruits. Um, My kids will hover between, well, my kids will probably be just around 15 and they have one day of sweet treats per week. Um, They go for uh, organic ice cream with their friends on Saturdays. They have like a little date with their friends. So yeah, so they, it's not like they, I eliminate it completely for them, but they don't eat cereal for breakfast. They eat Nobody meat. should. Yeah, they eat meat, nuts, and berries. Uh, so they, we just have a different, I guess, a different lifestyle compared to what people think are the, is the norm, and we're fine with that yeah. <laughs> so, because they're thriving. My, and my daughter's just six feet tall now. Oh my, uh, my, my boys are tanks. They do jujitsu, and they're just, they're just happy kids, and that just makes me, that's what I'm here for, you know, is to make people happy through my knowledge that I can share. Um, But otherwise, I would say um, getting lots of sunshine. And if there was a magic pill, you always hear this, it would be sleep. Mm -hmm. So sleep is just like, there's so many different things about it, because they don't know all of the reasons why we sleep or, um, you know, what makes sleep work, but they are finding more and more out. And I wrote a really long article about the lymphatic system, yes. um, which I know you know about. Um, but I talked about how basically sleeping on your right side is the best for your lymphatic system because um, that optimizes the flow while sleeping on your head maybe will not be the best because it presses on a certain blood vessel that makes the flow not as good. Um, okay. The more cycles you can have of the the glymphatic system, the better. So your the glymphatic system is most active during your NREM sleep, not your REM sleep. And um, so your NREM sleep is more active earlier in the night. So getting to bed earlier is optimal for that. But also if you're sleeping six hours or if you're sleeping nine hours, you're actually going to have basically two less cycles of the glymphatic system if you're not sleeping as long. Um, so sleep is absolutely important. Um, and especially for injury prevention, there's something totally. like it goes, it, it's a 60% increase in injury when you go from six hours to, uh, sorry, nine hours to six hours. So wow. you have a 60% greater chance of being injured at six hours of sleep as opposed to nine hours of sleep. I sleep 10 hours. I love my sleep. Me and too. Feels, yeah. Sleep feels so good. I can go nine and a half. I'll be fine. Um, eight hours, I start to feel it a little bit because I operate at such a high level during the day, Yeah, uh, such a high intensity and high energy, but that's how we all want to feel right during the day is high energy and like conquering the world. And, uh, so I, I love feeling like my whole family sleeps basically that amount. Um, so my husband's a little bit less because of his job, but he, we're working on it to get him to back to nine to 10 hours. Um, and we, I do that through, um, I ha- do have some sleep support through magnesium L3 and 8, which is one of my favorite supplements. Um, and also um, sometimes I do the Mind Mag by ATP, which also has that, and Inositol. Uh, yin oh, Reserve. yeah. Yeah, there's Yin Reserve by Strength Sensei Nutraceuticals, and that has Inositol in it, and I love that. And then I've also used Mike Mutzel's um, Myoscience 
uh, MyoCom and Relax. Those, all three of those are really great for sleep support because they have all kinds of nutrients that, um, that help with that. Of course, with physician approval, I'm not a doctor, so I'm just saying yeah. what's worked for me and what's worked for clients. Um, but those are three that, um, that definitely can be tried for sleep support. I Anoxicol, love magnesium. Yeah, I swear by it. is uh, a type of B vitamin, basically, that is also proven to support brain function. Um, and it's very effective with people with PCOS. I don't know if you yes. know about that um, correlation. Yeah, so inositol, I've used that for PCOS, which is basically a carbohydrate disease. Yeah, you know? it's just essentially insulin resistance of the ovaries. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's tragic when this happens to these wonderful women. Um, and then they just basically get put on birth control or something like that is what the doctors want to yep. do. And it doesn't really fix the problem, the root cause. So, Absolutely not. Absolutely so I love, not. I love finding natural ways or supplement ways to fix that root cause. Oh, totally. Yeah. So I guess totally. lifestyle wise, you know, um, lots of vitamin D, sunshine, sleeping, waking, same time, making sure yes. that sleep quality is good. Um, oh, I do uh, also uh, uh, journaling with gratitude. So in the morning, I just write down um, my, uh, basically, my, that's not really my goal, but it's what am I thankful for before it's happened? So it can be anything big or small. I'm thankful um, my kids had a great day at school, or I'm thankful that it was sunny all day, to, that I, you know, went to the beach or something like that. Or it could be, I'm thankful that, um, you know, I broke my record in my age group. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It could be big or small. So writing that down first thing in the morning. And then at night, we recite, but don't write down at dinner, uh, a grateful log. It's in my book that I just wrote last year too, the whole prompts for that. But it's what have I, um, who have I helped today? Who helped me today? What have I learned today? And what am I thankful for? So it's not just what you're thankful for, but it's all of those things because who did you help today? Building a strong foundation for health and wellness is um, all about your community as well. Your community will support you if you support them. So who did you help today? If you didn't help anyone, then maybe you have some work to do. Who helped you today? Well, if nobody helped you today, then you definitely have some work to do <laughs> because maybe you're a jerk and you need to work on that. Uh, yeah. Who helped you today? And then what have I learned? You should always be learning something. Um, I aim for four books a week and about 50, minimum 50 medical journal articles. You're um, amazing. Yeah. Well, it's, I did learn to speed read. That was one thing Charles taught me is learn to speed read. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when, when I hear... Uh, information come out about certain things and I know that I've read thousands of articles on that and that that's incorrect information it's kind of just like oh like do I say something or do I not say something you know mm -hmm. <laughs> so it depends on where it's coming from but sometimes I'll just let it go and sometimes I'll be like oh no I gotta say something but um yeah so like collagen is the most recent thing everybody's like why don't you like putting collagen in your coffee and I don't know where you are in the collagen whole collagen thing but uh, so I just did a video called not another effing collagen powder. And, uh, it wasn't that I was opposed to collagen in general. Of course I'm animal protein based. Yeah. So my question was, why are you taking the collagen and why are you putting it in your coffee? So there's a big debate about, um, whether the heat of the coffee denatures or degrades the collagen, which are two different things, but whether it breaks it down and so that it's not available. 
but we're missing the whole point of collagen works because it's full of glycine and glycine is the amino acid necessary to make collagen. So if you're basically taking a lot of glycine, you're, you could do that if that's why you want to make collagen. Okay. But putting it in your coffee, everyone was so focused on temperature. They missed all of the research that says caffeine inhibits the glycine receptors. So I'm opposed to putting it in your coffee because caffeine inhibits glycine receptors, not necessarily the fact that it teeters on the edge of breaking down glycine, um, which is about 200, it's really about 215 to 230 degrees. And your average cup of coffee is really 185 or less. So I think it's probably safe in that realm, in my opinion. But um, yeah, so I, because I've read so much research on glycine, I know this. And so it's not that I'm opposed to collagen at all. I actually love the collagen powder from ATP because they added zinc, which you mm. know is amazing for skin. They yeah. added vitamin C, which is also a precursor for collagen. Right, exactly. So you need that. But my favorite ingredient was go to cola, which Ooh. is a Chinese herb that is used very much in burn victims um, to regenerate skin. And so go to cola is a miracle uh, supplement in my point of view. And the go-to cola also enhances um, brain activity for happiness. And so I use it with clients who have anxiety or depression. It gives them a mood enhancement. So what I found from the ATP collagen powder is that I actually, besides skin or joints or anything like that, it enhances my mood after I drink it. I just feel kind of this nice contentment. And I thought, oh, it's, you know, it's got to be the go-to cola edition. So, um, yeah, so I'm not actually opposed to collagen, but that was the title because I get so like, oh my gosh, how many more, how many more people are putting collagen in their coffee that I have to see on Instagram? They're putting the collagen in their coffee. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. So, and it's funny because sometimes, well, I, I, I'll do it, but I use decaf. So maybe it's not a lim- is minimizing oh, okay. as much. I haven't, I'd yeah. love to read that article though. If you send that to yeah. me, um, yeah, or I can find it, but yeah. I like using I like using uh, collagen a little bit in like my grass fed yogurt if I'm gonna do that with like some nuts on top. But mm-hmm. I honestly just mainly get my collagen from the meat that we eat and right. um, like meat on the bone. And I just mm-hmm. I really like bone broth. Like today I was just having like yes. a big a big cup of it, so just sipping it cold because I just can't even fathom heating it up right now. It's so hot here. <laughs> yeah, I am right on. I'm totally in agreement with you. So that's also what I say is, um, you know, again, ask yourself, why are you taking collagen? Is it for your hair, skin and nails? Is it for your joint health? Is it for protein? Because there are a lot better sources of protein and you can get all those same effects from drinking the bone broth or eating chicken skin, yep. um, you know, thigh, chicken thighs or something like that. Um, taking glycine. So it's, uh, yeah, it's on my YouTube if anybody wants to watch it. But I saw you had that on your feet. Yeah. I need to go in and I'll, I need to dive into that. I love that you mm-hmm. talked about the gratitude thing. I'm going to start that tonight with my husband just because, like, I think that gratitude is something that I personally need to be better about. So I thank you for reminding me because yeah. I just get so in my routine. And I love that you just take such a holistic and whole body approach to not only your health and your fitness, but the people that you work with. It's not just the mm-hmm. diet that they're eating. It's no. You know, what are your daily thoughts? What are the things that you have in your environment? And I feel like that's really what's giving your athletes and you a huge leg up on things. I, yeah, you know, I just was um, in, when I just ran that number one time in the world the other day at the Olympic Training Center in Chula Vista, my, one of my master's teammates said the most lovely thing to me. And she said, I really appreciate all of the work you do with your mental capacity, like just your whole, um, you know, all the messages that you share that you can tell that you're, you're mentally strong, like, cause 
everyone was like, oh, I don't want to run the 400 today. Oh, like they're all nervous and things. And I'm all like, oh, I can't wait for the 400. And she, and my, my teammate was like, gosh, I just really love your mental strength, you know, and your mental capacity. And, and I guess that um, that all comes from things like doing practices like the, the Grateful Log because you put yourself in a different mental perspective that way. Um, and also as athletes, it's a life lesson as well. But when we talked about champion mentality in our warrior community, we talked about how uh, true champions don't dwell on their mistakes and their past. It's in the past. You know, you got to let that go. So you are not the mistakes that you made, whether you're an athlete or not. Uh, you need to kind of brush that off and take from it the lesson learned. So don't dwell on what you did wrong. You can acknowledge what you need to do right and then move forward. It's all about forward thinking. So you can say, okay, I made a mistake, I lesson learned, and next time, this is what I'm going to try to do, and only focus on the positive of doing that instead of living in the past and the negative. Um, so that's something that, that we implement as well. So yeah, I'm excited to hear about how your, your grateful log is going, and um, it's fun to, because also you find out different things that happen through the day, and you, and you learn something when someone else says what they learn. Usually yeah. you learn that too. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep you posted. I'm going to let you know how it goes. Awesome. I'm very looking forward to it. Well, thank you seriously so much for your time. I've loved, I feel like I'm in the Island with you because of the background, like the little rooster slash yeah, you like tropical rooster. bird. No, I love it. It's very relaxing. It's very, re oh, I loved it. I've like good. felt like I was in Hawaii the whole time. Oh, um, good, good. Can you tell people where, where they can find you, where they can get your book, how they can connect with you and all the great info oh, yeah, that you have? Sure. Um, my book is called Fast Over 40, and I outline um, a lot of things in that. And I also give a practical training guide with top workouts or workouts from top strength coaches and athletes in the country. Um, so it's kind of, you can implement some of the things right away. Uh, we didn't get to it, but I talk a lot about how sprinting and high intensity training as opposed to endurance training increases your BDNF, which is your brain derived neurotropic factor, which keeps your uh, your brain plastic and keeping it from aging. Um, that like high intensity work like sprinting increases it more than endurance training. Um, so I talk about that in my book, Fast Over 40. It's on Amazon and also on my website, which is mam, M-A-M, 808 or 808.com. Uh, here in Hawaii, 808 is our area code, but it's actually 808, so I have to make that distinction. <laughs> uh, so mam808.com. Um, and I'm on Instagram at fastover40. Awesome. Well, everyone needs to go connect with you, read your book, check out all of your amazing content. Thank you again for your time. It is so appreciated. Well, I'll definitely have to have you back on because there's so many more things that we could have dive, dove into. Yeah, anytime. Aloha and mahalo. I hope you guys enjoyed this amazing podcast with Cynthia. Connect with her on Instagram at fastover40. Check out her book. That's still something I need to put on my list. She's been doing a lot of stuff, especially because the Olympics is coming up. So she works. With, she's sharing a lot of things that she works with her and her athletes and how they're doing. And so that's been so cool to be able to see that. So definitely make sure you're connecting with her. I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. And again, I just want to thank you guys so much for being here. It means so much. Have a great rest of your day and I will see you guys here next week. Woo!